Hey folks, on Friday, in a long-awaited decision, a federal appeals court in D.C. ruled that the House Judiciary Committee could not enforce its subpoena of former White House counsel Don McGahn, hampering the House's ability to conduct oversight of the executive branch. Meanwhile, President Trump has nominated a new director of national intelligence, Congressman John Radcliffe. It's the same person Trump tried to appoint last July, before quickly withdrawing the nomination amid bipartisan concerns about Radcliffe's lack of experience. And of course, the spread of the coronavirus continues to royal governments and markets around the world. After receiving criticism around his administration's slow response and lackluster preparedness, President Trump appointed Vice President Mike Pence to oversee the government's effort. I talk about all this and more with Ann Milgram on the Cafe Insider podcast. Each week, we break down politically charged legal issues making the headlines. Today, we're making a clip from the most recent episode available in the Stay Tuned feed. To listen to our full conversation, and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership free for two weeks. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. And now college students with a valid EDU email address qualify for a special discount. Head to cafe.com slash student and sign up at a special rate. Again, that's cafe.com slash student. We look forward to having you as a part of the Insider community. One other thing that came up this week is that Judge Amy Berman Jackson held a hearing about whether or not the jury foreperson in the Stone case was biased. And this really came out of, remember, the jury foreperson came out and identified herself as the foreperson of the Stone jury. The president then started tweeting against her saying that she was partisan and that she should not have been allowed on the jury. And really all of this comes down to Before the jurors were selected in federal court with Judge Jackson, it's been publicly reported that one of the jury questionnaire questions was whether the jurors had, the prospective jurors had posted anything for public consumption about Roger Stone or the investigation into Russian interference in the 2020 election. And the jury foreperson did not select either yes or no and said she couldn't remember and may have shared an article on Facebook. So there was some information provided, but it wasn't a yes, I did. And there so it's were, not a straight up lie. It was. It's no, definitely not. It was more of a I don't remember, and I may have shared an article on Facebook, which certainly, in my view, gave the lawyers in the case sufficient basis to ask more questions and to go look if her profile is public to look at that. And then they later found that there were a lot of posts that were visible on her Twitter feed, and there was a post on the day Mister that Roger Stone was arrested. And on that day in January 2019, she shared an article about the criminal cases coming from special counsel Mueller's investigation. And the comment she wrote was, quote, brought to you by the Locker Up Peanut Gallery, close quote. And, you know, when asked on Tuesday in the hearing, the jury foreperson said, quote, I posted a lot. That's why I said I'm not sure. I wasn't comfortable saying yes or no. I couldn't remember if I posted that or not. What's your reaction to this, Preet? Yeah, so I, don't, I didn't obviously attend the hearing that the judge had. So I don't know what questions were asked. I don't know what the record states. But I will say that I think it ultimately fails because the law on this is very tough and the standard is very high. But when you and I talk about cases, we try to assess the strength of an argument. And some are patently ridiculous and meritless. An example of that we talked about today was the libel suit brought by Donald Trump against, or his campaign against the New York Times. This is not that. This is not frivolous. This is not a Rule 11 sanctionable case to make. And they have something to work with. It's also true in a criminal case where liberty is at stake, I think you're allowed sort of generally, and it's an unwritten rule, a little more latitude in making an argument on your client's behalf. And so I, I don't know that it's crazy for them to make the argument because they have something to work with. At the end of the day, will it fly or not? I don't know. 
Because the other thing that's also true is, you know, judges think that they've conducted a trial fairly. And if you don't have a case of a straight up lie, which you sometimes get, and we had cases like that in SDNY, by a juror that really colors the process, judges are not inclined to throw out a verdict and give a new trial. So those things are working against each other. Yeah. I mean, my feeling also is Twitter is obviously public. And so, and one of the things about this process now in today's world is that the lawyers on both sides know the individual's name. They can pull up the social media. They can ask questions about it. And they could have struck her as a juror. And part of me thinks there's a lot of gamesmanship in this. Part of me thinks that she had been on the Memphis school board. She'd run as a, for the Democratic nomination in Tennessee's 9th district in 2012. So they clearly knew a lot about her. And you know they, why I would have struck her? Why? And I've said this before. She's a practicing attorney. Right, I agree with that. I had, I had a rule. Yeah. I'm like, when, when people told me they, they allowed an attorney to be on the jury, I would grow kind of annoyed about that. And I would feel that way if I was on the defense side or the prosecution side. And the reason for that is, they generally take- speaking, a rule that I had in my head was, you don't want any particular member of the jury to have outsized influence or authority so that they could hijack the jury. And lawyers, by definition, depending on what their personality is like, could hijack the jury in favor of their view. Yeah, the Supreme Court has even said lawyers can't do that, that they're not supposed to you know, be back there as like a third lawyer yeah, but in no the case. Mo- but no one's monitoring exactly. them. No one's allowed to go in. There's a, there's a, there's so a it's person a sitting outside the jury deliberation room with a gun. And you and I both know, we walk in a room, people know you're a lawyer, they immediately start asking you legal questions. And so it would be an outsized influence. And so I, I agree with you on that. I also, by the way, will say this, and My view is, look, jurors can speak publicly after they're involved in cases. I generally think it's a bad idea for jurors who do their public service, and and there's no law stopping them, but going out and talking about the case, I feel like that sort of jury process should be sacrosanct and should be something that is beyond the sort of public. And again, there's nothing that stops anyone from coming out and saying, someone just came out recently and said, I was on the Weinstein jury. Yeah, they do it all the time. All the time. There was a particular judge, Judge Mukasey. He was the chief judge in SDNY before he became the attorney general. And he had a speech that he gave at the end of a trial after the verdict was rendered in whatever direction. And he would say to the jury, among other things, you know, you have a right to go out there and talk to whoever you want. In a high-profile case, there may be reporters who want to talk to you. My advice to you would be do not do that. That's Um, an important thing for a judge to say, I think. And I, I think just because to protect them as well as to protect the sanctity of the process. One other thing about the jury questionnaire is that the social media questions are complicated because... If somebody has hundreds of posts, they're never going to remember or be able to list all of them. And so maybe this isn't exactly the right question for a jury questionnaire. It's more, you know, do you have a social media account? List all of the all of the screen names you use. Have you right. ever posted on anything related to politics or government? And then the, if the answer is yes, then it really is up to the lawyers. And it's very clearly up to the lawyers. It just, it feels to me in today's world, like what if someone asked you, Preet, to list every tweet you've ever made? Well, no, something but, political. But if someone said, have you ever posted about Roger Stone or the Russian investigation? The yes. I, would say, I would say yes. And also Hell on the yes. podcast, yes. I would remember that. I remember not everything, but I would remember that. So the last bit of news we want to talk about is this D.C. Circuit Court opinion with respect to the testimony of Don McGahn. Remember Don McGahn? It's like 70,000 news cycles ago. <laughs> he was the White House counsel once upon a time. He's featured prominently in the Mueller report. He said, I want to testify. There's a privilege issue. And there's been a battle raging in the district court, now in the circuit court. But just before we get to that, you know, we're, we're a few weeks away from the acquittal of Donald Trump in the Senate, but there were all these other tributaries. There, Particularly what happened, what John happened Bolton. To, what happened to John Bolton? Yep. The subpoena, there was no subpoena either by the House or by the Senate. 
Look, they've gone dark. And and part Why of it, is that? I think it's because there's an election coming and because they, you know, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on it, but it, it feels to me like they did the impeachment. They tried as hard as they could to get it done quickly. It's now completed and all eyes are now on the Democratic presidential candidates who are running in these primaries and caucuses. And there could be another reason that you and I don't know, like that they've polled on this and that there's a huge amount of fatigue surrounding these investigations. But I sort of, my instinct would be that there's an election coming up and that this was one of the Republicans' big arguments, just wait for the election, hold the president accountable that way. But they did do the impeachment. They went through this whole process. And my sense is that if the president is reelected, we will see a lot of additional investigations or potentially if the president engages in in conduct that they think rises to the level of of warranting. And I don't think it will be minimal conduct. I think it would have to be something, you know, extreme like Ukraine. Um, Look, the only thing that I I see on the horizon coming up is supposed testimony of Bill Barr on March 31st. Right. In the House. And I think he's got a lot to answer for with respect to Roger Stone and some other things. And I think that they will push hard on him. Do you think? I do. Yeah. I do. But, you know, again, I don't know what the appetite is. I don't know how slippery he will be. I don't know how much light will be shown on important things. And that's a little different from doing an investigation into a specific issue. That's basically bringing him in. And Congress does it all the time. They bring in senior members of the administration to answer questions. We should expect it with COVID-19. We should expect to see the HHS secretary and others on Congress constantly. So going back to this decision about whether or not Don McGahn can be compelled to testify to one decision by the D.C. Court of Appeals that basically says we're not going to get involved. Yes. Because the controversy between the executive branch and the legislative branch and they invoke a doctrine known as the political question doctrine. And on things like this that don't affect anyone outside of those two branches, elected branches, of elected branches we're not going to play mom. I hope you've enjoyed this sample of the Cafe Insider podcast. To listen to the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership free for two weeks. Interested students can head to cafe.com slash student. To the many of you who have chosen to join the Insider community, thank you for supporting our work. 